thank you very much, uh, my colleague Vinendra, and also I thank uh, my colleagues for this opportunity to present some of the highlights of the report. So let me just go quickly over some of the, of the highlights. Vinendra uh, uh, already mentioned uh, a few of the aspects that come uh, clearly from this uh, SOFI 2018. Uh, as you know, SOFI contains two parts. In the part one, we describe and analyze the main trends in food security and nutrition. In the second part, we try to provide a deeper analysis for one of the key drivers behind the main trends. Uh, obviously, uh, obviously, one of the main highlights is, as, as, as my colleague was indicating, uh, the new evidence signaling that the rising post hunger we observed in the last year's report continues today. The number of undernourished people has increased to 821 million, up from 804 million in 2016. The percentage of undernourished people also increases, which means that the rising hunger is not only explained by population growth, it is more worrisome. Uh, the situation is worsening in South America and most regions in Africa, while well, it has changed uh, little in most regions of Asia. The rising hunger, as my colleague mentioned, is attributed in this report to persistent instability in conflict with regions of the world, adverse climate events that have hit many regions of the world as well, and economic slowdowns in some parts of the world. Let me also mention what we observed in terms of nutrition indicators. As you can see in the figure, the report also deals with a number of nutrition indicators. Let me highlight a couple of things here that are important to keep in mind. Uh, one is that fortunately the worrisome uh, training world hunger is not reflected in chronic child malnutrition or stunting. Uh, this continues to fall, although at a, a slower rate in several regions of the world. Uh, one thing we do in the report is to try to reconcile these apparently paradoxical results in which food insecurity is on the rise on one hand, while child starting is improving on the other, with the fact that, of course, food insecurity is only one determinant uh, of nutritional outcomes, especially for children. Uh, there are other determinants that we uh, uh, examine in the report during poor maternal health and nutrition before and during pregnancy and lactation, inadequate with feeding, and some others. What is more worrisome is that anemia in women of reproductive age and rates of adult obesity are increasing. Uh, let's focus on the latter. Currently, more than one in eight adults in the world is obese. And adult obesity is highest in North America, but obesity is also on the rise, uh, even in Africa and Asia, which uh, currently have the lowest levels of obesity. The other important aspect in the report is that multiple, multiple forms of malnutrition coexist. Not only in countries, we observe that this could happen even within a household. Uh, and even the same individual, individual can experience multiple forms of malnutrition during his or their lifetime. Now, at the end of the part one of the report, we explain several pathways from inadequate food access to multiple forms of malnutrition. We all know the, uh, the obvious link between food insecurity and undernutrition through diets that are characterized by insufficient intake of calories for macro and micronutrients. But we also explore the other link, which is less obvious, between food insecurity and overweight and obesity. 
so we've seen analysis and evidence that uh, food insecure families may be at a higher risk of overweight and obesity because of the higher cost of nutrition foods, which induces food insecure people to resource to cheap but highly caloric food nutrition foods. Uh, also, the stress of living with food insecurity, which uh, leads to consumption of food foods, uh, loaded with calories, sugar, etc., and also binging eating patterns where food is available. And uh, also, we have like psychological adaptations to food restriction, which of course include the value to absorb a large share of calories where food is available. But all children who have suffered from their nutrition or, and were born with low birth weight or are stunted are at a greater risk of developing overweight and obesity when faced with energy based diets and as a lifestyle, lifestyle, lifestyle later in life. So, last year, Sophie presented, as my colleague mentioned, an in depth look at the role of conflict. Uh, in the behind the rising hunger trend. In part two of this year report, we look more deeply at the role of climate and to be more specific at climate variability and extremes. The evidence this year highlights that climate variability and exposure to more complex, frequent, and intense climate extremes are also a key force behind the recent continued rise in global hunger. In many areas around the world, we observe that climate has become more variable, and climate extremes have increased not only in number, but also in intensity. Take as an example the number of extreme climate-related disaster events, which, as the figure shows, has doubled since the early 90s. Climate variability and extremes are already negatively undermining the production of major crops in tropical regions. And the extent to which carbon variability and streams are negatively affecting people's food security and nutrition, of course, depends on the degree of exposure to climate shocks and vulnerability to these shocks. Let's talk a bit about exposure. Exposure of countries to climate variability and streams is a rising trend. As the figure shows, in the case of low and middle income countries that are exposed to climate streams, there is an important increase in this exposure. But more important is that there is an increased exposure both in terms of frequency, meaning the number of years exposed to climate streams, and also intensity, meaning multiple types of climate streams are seen at the same time, to which countries are exposed. Uh, I'm not going to give more details on this, but the diagram is clear about the rising exposure and the problem of uh, the climate streams occurring with more frequency. Now, one particular aspect that we highlight is that of drought. Because droughts feature among the most challenging climate streams in many parts of the world. They, co they cause more than 80% of the total damage and losses in agriculture, especially for the livestock and crop production subsectors. We studied 76 countries that experienced a rise in undernourishment since the mid-2000s and found that for almost 36% of these countries, which is equivalent to 28 countries, the increase in undernourishment coincided with the occurrence of a severe drought. 
the figure that you see in front of you shows these countries. And it is most striking that nearly two-thirds of these cases, which is 19 countries out of 28, occur in relation to the severe drought conditions that the El Nino phenomenon brought about in 2015-2016. This change across four major countries contributed to a reversal of the PRU trend, the prevalence of undernourishment trend, at the global level. And this association is further corroborated by a number of studies that show a strong link between drought and stunting in children, which are also reported in the SOFI 2018. Now, the rising exposure of countries to climate variability and extremes is no doubt having an effect in the numbers of global hunger. In 2017, the average of the prevalence of undernourishment in countries with high exposure to climate chores was higher than in countries with low or no exposure to these chores. And even more striking is the fact that countries with high exposure have more than double the number of undernourished people as those with low exposure. Of course, high exposure to climate variability and extremes will lead to problems of hunger depending on how vulnerable a country's agricultural system is to climate variability. The figure you see in front of you shows the prevalence of undernourishment in groups of countries classified according to the type of vulnerability to climate extremes. The dotted line represents countries with low or no exposure to climate extremes, whereas all solid lines represent countries with high exposure to climate extremes uh, as defined in the report. It is striking that countries with high exposure to climate extremes and where large, a large proportion of the population is dependent on agriculture for their livelihoods have some of the highest prevalence of hunger. That's what you see through the orange line in the graph. Countries with high exposure to climate extremes and which have agricultural production and geos uh, sensitive to extremes also have very high prevalence of hunger, which is you can, what you can see through the green line in the graph. Of course, we also go deeper into this analysis and find out that climate variability and extremes are also one of the leading causes of food crisis situations, providing very interesting statistics in the report. Uh, let me move towards the end. Uh, many people are being affected, of course, as the report warns. Strongest direct impacts are felt on food availability, given the sensitivity of agriculture to climate, and the primary role of the sector as a source of food and livelihoods of the rural poor. Climate variability and extremes are undermining also the other dimension of food security and showing the republic concrete examples. Spicy food prices and price volatility follow climate extremes and extend well beyond the actual climate events. Um, new buyers of net buyers of food are the hardest hit by price spikes. Uh, and so on and so forth. So we show in the report the different effects that all this is having in the different dimensions of food security. And moreover, we also show that changes in climate are also heavily impacting nutrition through, let's say, impaired nutrition quality and dietary diversity of foods produced and consumed, and impacts on water and sanitation with the implications for factors of health, of, of health risk and disease.
Let's go to the last two slides which deal with the policy messages that we are seeing in this report. So based on the, on the findings, the report urges to work towards building climate resilience. This requires, of course, integrated disaster risk reduction and management and climate change adaptation policies, programs and practices with short, medium and long-term vision. Of course, climate resilience requires context-specific interventions, but it can be guided and informed by global policy processes. Ordinary nation frameworks and the 2030 Agenda for Sustainable Development, which I'll show on the screen, are particularly important and provide important guidance for the solutions needed. We have the Paris Agreement, this entire framework for disasters risk reduction, the UN Decade of Action on Nutrition, and also the World Humanitarian Summit and the Agenda for Humanity. They all provide a framework to address these issues. However, these processes we observe lack alignment on building resilience against risks, including those associated with changing climate. And lack of alignment is also observed and found at the national level, of course. So lack of alignment leads to compartmentalization of concepts and expertise into siloed actions. So it's important to better integrate these policy platforms and processes to ensure actions across and within sectors and to pursue coherent objectives and actions for building climate resilience. In addition to this framework and the 2030 Agenda for Sustainable Development, we do have the knowledge, the tools, and the experience needed to build climate resilience. We, we come across a few examples. We, we talk about climate risk monitoring and early warning systems, vulnerability reduction measures that are available, crop diversification practices and how they help spread production and income risk. We also talk about the cross-cutting factors that we know work very well. Examples are social protection, participatory approaches for local solutions, empowerment of women and vulnerable groups, just to name a few. The challenge is to scale up and accelerate such, such actions to strengthen the resilience of livelihoods and food systems, to anticipate and adapt to the effects of climate variability and extremes. Solutions require increased partnerships, enhanced risk management capacities, and multi-year predictable large-scale funding of disaster risk reduction and management and climate change adaptation policies and programs and practices. I thank you very much for your attention.